Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome back once again to another fascinating episode of Disney Compendium. I am your host, as always, JJ, over there, my good buddy, my good pal, Nick. Nick, how you doing? Uh, great, JJ. I'm here, excited to talk about uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh, or... Excuse me, it's Empire in the Sun. Empire in the Sun. Uh or, or uh, Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. AKA Emperor's... Disney's Wolfenstein or Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> <laughs> A movie three years in the making for Disney. Uh, it? I thought it was six and a half. Yeah, it was something like crazy. It's like yeah. Sting, Sting was working on it for like three years or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, the third of the year 2000 Disney movies. You had Fantasia 2000, you had Dinosaur, and now you have The Emperor's New Groove. Uh, also, probably if you look at the title, you'll see there's another movie included into this title called The Sweatbox. Uh, because in, there was a documentary produced alongside this movie titled The Sweatbox that was never released, but It's online, Uh, and it's a fascinating look into the production of this movie. Uh, It's like the WordPress version. Yeah, it's it's an unfinished documentary. So it's there's there's swearing. There's obvious scenes that would never have made it into a Disney produced documentary in any way, shape, or form. But uh, it exists. It's fascinating to show the chaos of the Disney studios at the time and to see, get a good feel of who Sting, the musician, not the professional wrestler. Yes. Uh, Sting truly is as a person. Uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit of a curmudgeon. <laughs> yes. So Emperor's New Groove. Have you ever seen this before? No, I've never seen it in its entirety. Okay. So that um, so recently I did watch it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I it's a it's a underdog favorite of mine. I don't think yeah. it, it's not gonna be high on the list, but No, considering the circumstances, I think like, oh, this actually I, turned this out movie, well. This movie's fun. It's silly. It's really slapsticky, which is weird for Disney. Like it focuses a lot on weird jokes that just sort of happen. Uh, like the finale. Yeah, <laughs> which we'll get to in a minute, but um, uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting movie, and I, yeah, we'll just what seventy seven minutes. Also, not a particularly long movie. No, uh, not even an hour and a half, uh, which at this time is kind of absurd for a Disney movie to not be an hour and a half. So I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know what happened there, but we know what happened there. Almost <laughs> as if they cut out a ton of material and almost, songs. Yeah, almost as if they started this movie from scratch with two years to go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to get it to, to get it to the market. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so we are presented immediately with uh, Kuzco, um, the the sad llama crying in the middle of the rain. Uh, with Kuzco also doing the narration. So it's, it's basically Frank Miller's Daredevil. 
Yes, it yes. is. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. He's sad in the rain. Sad in the doing, rain. Doing 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 doing. There we go. Yeah. Um, voiced by David Spade, who, um, given what this character is, they could not have picked a better person to voice no, this character. He did a great job. This is absolutely fantastic casting. Mm-hmm. Um, not a big David Spade fan in general, but in this situation, no. it's perfect. Uh, I, I can't really like you can almost not picture anyone else in the role. And clearly they didn't because even in the work print stuff that you see in the documentary, it's still David Spade. Like he was involved from the get go. And this is, you know, 1999 where David Spade was still somebody. He was uh, doing just shoot me, I think. Yes. Or uh, maybe even doing the, uh, he might've been, he was he done with Tommy boy and black sheep already. I mean, we're talk- when this movie was being made, when they started working on this movie, it was clearly, you know, 97, 98. So, you know, it's... <laughs> he might have still been at SNL, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have him. He is... Um, he is an unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, from the... They, they sort of go back to it multiple times it gets confusing having this narration because it makes you think that this narration is sort of taking place in the future but it kind of is but also isn't at the same time because by the time it catches up to itself he starts interacting with himself yeah (laughs) and it throws off any sort of semblance of a timeline so it makes it seem like the narrator is just an alternate timeline version of kuzco (laughs) It was it was uh, before we had Deadpool yeah. interacting with his own inter- yeah breaking the yeah. third wall yeah yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so you know you're introduced to him and he is uh, we get we get to the backstory of him of who he is as an emperor and kind of a turd okay, yeah kind of well uh, yeah but a turd <laughs> with a turd with a theme song sung by Tom Jones Tom Jones which uh, yeah. The, that uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it sticks out uh, significantly in this movie. That song, um, did, didn't like it. <laughs> no, uh, I don't, and I don't hate Tom Jones. I'll just say yeah. that outright. I just it, it, it's for this movie, it's terrible. And look, the documentary is a, focuses a lot on Sting and Sting writing music for this. And every single time they cut to a Sting song and him performing it, I'm like, I'm glad we didn't get this movie because this song sucks. Like, oh god, like, oh the what's the, what's the one the panorama llama? Yeah, I was gonna oh, say Jesus, the, the llama no. the llama song that we hear like three or four times in the documentary is absolutely the worst. It yeah. really is just him playing word salad with lyrics, anything that can vaguely rhyme with llama. With no drama or whatever kind of nonsense. Well, I remember Panorama. Panorama. I was like, oh, God. And they're like, yeah, this is good work, Sting. Yeah. And they're praising it. And like, when, (laughs) just like, oh. Uh, Like, the only good song that they showed was the one sung by Eartha Kitt. Uh, They cut that out, too. They cut that one out, too. The best song. Um, But. So yeah, so was it, he get he kicks he he kicks the old dude out of his uh, uh, 
ma- mansion for like, throwing off his groove. Like Jazz from Fresh <laughs> Print style. Yeah. His uncle filled him out the front. Yeah. Um, we're introduced to Yzma, as mentioned uh, earlier, played by Eartha Kitt. Uh, just absolutely chewing the scenery in every scene she's in. Probably the she, best part of this movie. She's she's definitely, yeah, I I would say so. Like every like, she does a phenomenal job at being the heavy, but also allowing the character to be the butt of a bunch of jokes. Mm. Um, they kind of go a little too on the nose at some points that that they got Eartha Kitt to be in this movie. But, like especially uh, at the end of the movie. Especially at the end of the movie. Yeah. But uh, it was fun looking at the documentary to see that they also like originally the character was just like a horny old lady. <laughs> she cared about her beauty and cared about her beauty and even the, even though there's snow on the mountain, there's fire in the furnace. <laughs> yeah. The line yeah. that they went to multiple times. Um, but they just sort of cut all of that out. Just made her just this old she's basically a witch, but they don't like, that doesn't exist in this universe. It's the concept of a witch. So <laughs> she's, she's, she's able to make potions. Uh, she's a chemist. Yeah. She's, um, she's plague night. Yeah. <laughs> she's throwing. I mean, the end of this <laughs> movie isn't joking. too far removed from. Yeah. She's plague night. Uh, yeah. She's plague night. Um, so she's trying to like, rule the country behind uh, Kuzco's back. And um, he's had, he's, he's done with it. So he fires her mm-hmm. right then and there um, fires her. So was, um, was Kronk her employee? <laughs> I think it was, he kind of mentioned that she goes through him every yeah. decade or so. So I don't know if it's implied that, she just they die or she just trades them in for younger models if you know what i yeah, mean because so. because it's because it's weird because like he's never told that he's fired but he is as well yeah. so, <laughs> um patrick warburton patrick warburton uh david putty himself yeah, that's, I, I say like that's probably what he would have been doing at the time of this movie. Yeah, this is his this is his first foray into the magical world of Disney. Uh, he's been there kind of ever since. Yeah, <laughs> so he is. Have you been doing the tick at this point? As well? mm, no, because I think that uh, maybe maybe yeah. Um. So yeah, Patrick Warburton doing his uh, his Patrick Warburton. He doesn't change. It's his, the same he's character. Got one voice, and it's a he's great got one voice. voice, and got one like with the exception of Family Guy. He has like one character, which is oh, it's uh, I forgot he's in Family Guy. I yeah. know the biggest thing, but side yeah, side though, but, eh. yeah, because every character that he plays is he's dumb as a sack of bricks, but he's just sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't help but. Uh, you know, he can't help but just like the guy. Yeah. Um, so. He does. He does host um, a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. So, oh, does he? I he's the he's, he's Rod Serling of that show. Okay. Yeah. So. Submitted like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. Was it? The, yeah. So he got. I mean, it's there's it's a cast of very few. Yeah. Um, it, very small cast. Very small scale. 
So, you know, you've got uh, David Spade, Eartha Kitt, uh, Putty, and uh, John Goodman. Uh, John Goodman. So, well, uh, so you also kind of funny aside here, like you have um, Wendy Malick who does. Uh, yeah. She was on Just Shoot Me with David Spade, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, who wasn't in this movie. Owen Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Boy. So it's hard to talk about because like we wanted to, we'll just, we'll get back to some of this stuff later. Yeah. Uh, Cause when that, when that happens in the docu, when the documentary, you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> He's just there. Just there. They don't say anything about it and they don't like show him. <laughs> He, well, he's, he's in the recording studio with David Spade. There's kind yeah. of, rip, but he doesn't talk to the camera. Yeah, at any point. They know that hit character was cut pretty soon. So, yeah. <laughs> look, man, if we were making a movie about anamorphic cars, we'll bring you back. I swear yeah. to God. Yeah. Um. So, wow. so, so yeah. Um. And then when he when you heard them side by side, you're like, wow, they how have they not actually like done anything like this before yeah like these two <laughs> yeah <laughs> it it's, makes it's... so in order to get her revenge uh isma is going to poison uh kuzco yeah um what was uh, uh kuzco in kingdom of the sun was originally named uh was it matcha i think so matcha yeah yeah um and David Spade in the documentary mentions that they uh, changed the name because uh, in Japanese it means something derogatory. Something, something derogatory. A uh, a four letter word that starts with C. Yeah. Um, uh, then he goes on to make a joke about it also, but that's not what they cared about. In Korea, it means bad movie, uh, which is not true. <laughs> but uh, it, what is true is they found out that it meant. Uh, uh, that c word in uh <laughs> in japanese and japan is a big market you just can't you just can't have your characters saying that word yeah uh, so what so joni loves joni loves chachi and uh, <laughs> kingdom of the sun massive successes <laughs> what do they call what do they call green tea in japan then <laughs> what's that powder that goes in it <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that 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 changes everything on the uh, yeah what that tea is, um, but yeah, uh, but jumped ahead a little bit with uh, she's planning on poisoning him because this is where we meet John Goodman who is summoned to meet the emperor. When the emperor just has a quick question for him, uh, where uh, where the sun shines best on his uh, in his village. On his little mountaintop there, his little hilltop. Because he wanted to know that, because he plans on building for his 18th birthday tomorrow a, uh, a big fun house, basically, for himself. A, wa- a water park. A water park. I'll ta- just destroy the village and build a water park. Big, uh, what, what, what did he call it? The Kuzkotopia? Kuz what did he? Yeah, Kuzkotopia. Yeah, right, yeah. With water, so it has a water slide, and he's going to be the main building sitting on top of the hill that John Goodman lives in. And, uh, yeah. That's uh, John Goodman destroying his home. Uh, that's, you know, 
making him as uh, vile as possible. Like, well, where do we live? I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I was like, um, we think, well, I don't know, don't care. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you have all this stuff going on, and then uh, later on, you have the dinner where uh, Cusco gets poisoned. But it's Kronk, so he messes that whole thing up. Yeah, he uh, he Abby normals him there, so... Yes, he did. Uh, first and foremost, he screws up by uh, mix, mixing up the uh, which drinks were poisoned and which weren't. So he just makes mixes them all together <laughs> and makes one drink out with all the poison. Um, and then we later find out when uh, after he turns into a llama and it makes no sense that the label was like Mad Magazine fold-in style picture of a llama that was folded down to look like a skull somehow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good sight gag. It is uh, a good sight gag. Well, you kind uh, of also get like, oh, Kronk's like, uh, it's kind of like, oh, he's a big dumb guy, but he's really a good cook. That kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah, we come back to that later because yeah. he was very focused on this meal. Uh, His the reason he got the reason why he got sidetracked with giving the drinks that he had poisoned was because his spinach puffs were burning. Uh, uh, so yeah, so they knock out Cusco and send him off. Uh, you know, kill, sends Kronk off to kill him and whip, put him in a sack and dispose of the body. Uh, then. Of course, again, it's Kronk. So he loses the body. Well, he he has a crisis of conscience. Well, yeah, the, the running rich... gag, the running gag throughout this one is that he has a, the uh, devil and the angel yes. on his shoulder, and both of them are equally as stupid as he is, which is good. <laughs> but um, yeah, he has a crisis of conscience. He gets the, uh, the angel telling him no, and the devil telling him yes. Um, he loses him, and he loses him in a sack, like marrying in the basket from Raiders. Yes, exactly. It's so, basically that scene. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so he misplaces Cusco's unconscious body in the back of Poncha's cart. Poncha being uh, Junketman. Uh, he gets, then we then we meet Junketman's family. Yeah, and he's struggling to tell his family that hey we gotta move like now yeah like immediately because, but uh, he doesn't do it he never says he it. he never says it the family never knows like bro what yeah the family never knows that their livelihood is in jeopardy uh even when he's out with the emperor uh trying to save him and they come back later still never really explains what's happening <laughs> that's an awkward uh, just, conversation for just, later just, just vaguely explains what's happening Yeah, uh, but she accepts it immediately the wife uh, but uh, so yeah we're back at the uh, home of John Goodman uh, so back with the Connors uh, yep <laughs> back uh, with Martin Fink yeah um Cusco wakes up in the uh, bag, and obviously Pacha's losing his mind over this whole thing. Uh, Demon Llama, I called him. Or... Demon Llama, yeah. Demon Llama, yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, he explains to him, like, look at you, do this! <laughs> yeah. 
puts his hands up. He's like, oh, is this some sort of country folk? Puts his hand up and notices it's a uh, hoof. He's going to say claw, but then it's like, wait, no, that's not right. Yeah, that's I, the wrong I, word. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it'd be hoof, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's freaking out. Everyone's freaking out about all of this. Don't know what happened. He's trying to figure out what happened. He, is, he comes to the conclusion that Pacha did it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, just, I mean, look, it's not that crazy of a conclusion. I mean, oh. you know that you pissed him off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Here he is. Um, so but, he takes off into the jungle. Yeah, he he wants to have uh, Pacha take him back to the kingdom so he can get fixed. Uh, reverse his the curse that Pacha supposedly put on him. Okay, he assumes uh, Usman's just going to turn him back. Even yeah. though he fired her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so dumb. He's such a... The character is incredibly dumb, too. Yeah. Because he's, uh, yeah. he's a spoiled, pampered brat, so he doesn't know anything else right. than just snap his fingers and have it get done. Yeah. And that's just what he assumes is going to happen again. Because um, he has no idea that he was... A, you know, she tried to kill him. She has no idea. Or he has no idea that that's what happened at this point. Um so he tries to talk John Goodman into taking out. John Goodman's like, no, you're going to ruin my house. If you go back, then you're just going to destroy my house. And if you don't go back, then I'm good. Yep. <laughs> I'm aces out here. Um, so it's like, it's like, okay, well, I'll just find my way back home. No, that's, you're not going to survive doing that. But he does it anyways. And it uh, doesn't go well. Yeah. For More crisis of conscience. Yeah. <laughs> from uh, Pacha. Pacho. Cusco just ends up was Anger's a chipmunk? Anger's a, a squirrel. Squirrel? squirrel. I guess squirrel. Yeah. Um, it comes back later. Multiple times in this movie. Yeah. Um, gets chased into uh, uh, what is it? The like den of jaguars? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads into a a chase where Pacha comes and makes the save. Like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> um, it's a it's a buddy movie. It is. It's, this it's is a where, buddy road trip movie. Yeah. At this point, yeah. it turns into a road trip movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's just I'll just blast on through this because I mean, it really isn't much going on here. No. Uh, uh, I like the diner scene. Yeah, the diner I, scene's fun. I, it, it's very sitcom-y, but yeah. like, you know, 1960s sitcom. Right. A lot of... Menu the, gag, yeah. Menu gag, and a lot of just like Scooby-Doo style, like in, like, rotating doors kind of situation, where right. you have, like, the scene with Yzma, like, through a uh, series of unfortunate events, uh, <laughs> Kronk winds up in the kitchen cooking the dinners. I see what you did there. I like it. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and so you have this scene of Yzma and Kuzco in disguise, try like make placing orders and like circling around but never meeting. It's yeah. a lot of just this movie survives strictly on Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. Um, uh, we're about to get to one shortly, uh, but. Because uh, they have the one where they're falling off the cliff and everything, right? I think we, yeah, no. So they fall off the cliff and they're trying to do the 
back to back, walk yes. up the wall, and then they grab the rope, and then more stuff happens. He ends up the the, the branch is stuck, the rope is stuck on, or the vine is stuck on a branch, which causes scorpions to fall on everyone. And then he and gets then, a mouthful of bats and mouthful of bats, and so like, and so inevitably, it just sort of like blows them up and over and onto the cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, makes no sense. The physics of but, it make zero sense. There's no way that could happen. They even look at each other in the movie, like, "Did you see that?" <laughs> like, huh? Yeah. I guess it. I suppose that's why it's it's it makes it diff- more difficult to talk about because it's so sight gag heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like maybe more than any film we've we've touched. Yeah, because yeah, this movie is genuinely probably the most comedic film they've ever made. Yeah, it, it, it revolves entirely on like joke jokes, puns, visual humor, and the sort of like slapstick stuff that goes on, like Three Stooges style goofs and stuff. So yeah, like also like a little little like wink at the audience, you know? Like, yeah, every now and then. So yeah. Like like the like the cliff scene with, with yeah. them climbing up. Like they they the way they look at each other is exactly how the audience would respond to that. Like what? Yeah. How? Yeah. So, um, anyways, the diner is where they find out independently that Isma is trying to kill him. Right. Um, because so uh, John Goodman hears it and is trying to get trying to explain this to Kuzco. And it doesn't, you know, it's Kuzco. He's just like, nah, man, you're just, you're just trying to keep me away from getting back to the thing. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to her. He's like, fine, I'm out of here. Storms off. And then, uh, then you get to uh, him going, about to get to Yzma and hearing this whole thing uh, about her, that the llama needs to die. And that's yeah. when he dawns on him that, oh, Oh man, she is trying to kill me. And but, so he's uh, so he leaves he le- he leaves the diner with nowhere to go because he's as John Goodman said at one point, someday you're gonna have nobody, <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, so he decides he's just gonna go live the rest of his life as a llama, I suppose. Um, and who don't even like him? Yeah. The other llamas are like, mm. Mm. look at this guy. Look at look at this guy. Look at this guy. Doesn't know how llama. Doesn't even doesn't even know how to llama. He doesn't know the first thing about being a llama. Why John Goodman thought to be there and to hang out there (laughs) for so long with the llamas makes zero sense. Again, this movie survives on that concept of this makes no sense. Well, now do you remember the uh, part in Sweatwalk? Sorry to reference that again already, but like. They show like the, the first cut of it. There's a scene of that character in the field with the llamas. Yeah. Before, so they probably just like repurpose that footage. Yeah. Oh, it's like, eh, it's like eh, it's, we'll leave it in. We'll say he was yeah. there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that's. So yeah, they catch up to each other in the in the field of llamas. Yes, the field of, across the fields of llama. <laughs> um that's when they decide okay we gotta do this we'll go back to my house uh for some supplies and we'll get yeah. back to the um castle or whatever yeah. <laughs> kingdom palace. whatever yeah palace 
um, when they get there, Isma's there already. Right. So because they how do they how do they de- deduce that because because uh, Patrick Warburton Cronk remembered where he saw the. John Goodman's character when they were in the diner because right. there was the whole running thing of like where do I know you from? Yeah. We were both we were both in ballet together. Oh, we played football I, together, or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. It's like ah, I just I, I hung out in the back because I had to get in class. <laughs> you know, yeah. Of, and, and then it's the, you know John Goodman's like no we don't we don't know each other no we don't know each other. But then I do like the gag where he remembers where he wakes up in a cold sweat. <gasps> That peasant didn't pay for his meal. Yeah. <laughs> it falls back asleep. And then like a couple seconds later, <gasps> that peasant was also the guy I saw leaving the palace. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. took, that, that took uh, Cusco's body sack. <laughs> you know? So that's I, why I, he remembered. I also like the gag with him and uh, Uzma where, where he's basically carrying her like on his back and she's like in a little tent. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird little. Thing. Yeah. A little weird manservant. And where yeah. he like, in, in order for her to get out, she has to walk down him. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> also upsetting. <laughs> um, he seems happy, so it's can't like, really blame him. It's like very master blastery. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they arrive to the house. Isma's there trying to find the llama, find any sort of secret to would be the llama, uh, where the llama would be, whatever. Um, obviously, at this time. The wife has zero idea what any of this is about. She's already suspicious of... Yeah, she's suspicious out the gate because she's already calling him by the wrong name Mm -hmm. and everything. Um, And Kronk's playing with his children. Children doing the double dutch. Um, So, yeah. Then he finally is able to get to his wife. He's like, okay, listen. I'm going to have to distract him. Let's go. We got to do this. (laughs) Still, again... Not really explaining what's going on, but she just trusts him enough to say, "Okay, <laughs> I got this." After, got after, this. after also being freaked out by the talking llama, yeah, and just <laughs> like Ralph crammed in that dude with a frying pan, yeah, yeah, just immediately. Um. So yeah, uh, what happens next? They, they, uh, they they're trying to run. You get the little Indiana Jones like dotted path back to the palace. Yeah. Yeah. They do eventually get back to the palace. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because this is another one of those Deus Ex Machina goofball scenes. Because they get to the palace. They get to Yzma's lair with all the the, you know, the revisit the joke from earlier where they pull the lever and it launch you know yeah launches them out it's like why does why does she even have that lever A- after his children or his family have distracted uh Kronk and Isma and they fall into into like a, a pit or something <laughs> i did like the scene of Isma being tarred and feathered basically yes. and then replacing the uh piñata she's a piñata uh, now yeah yeah piñata now it's good scene. um so anyways they do they go into the lab finally looking for all the potions and when they get to the <sighs> lions and tigers and bears yeah potions and then they get to people and it's like oh my yeah <laughs> so and then she's already uh, there she's already there and they even ask like how did you get here already and, and then even she has to ask how did we get here already <laughs> and Kronk's like i know it defies all explanation yeah and it's just like another wink and a nod to the audience like eh, it's a movie deal with it yeah <laughs> 
So, yeah. So they're fighting over the potion. Uh, how did she get turned into a cat again? She just... There's there's two potions left. Yeah. There's they, they, they there's a whole thing where there's a gag where they're running away, and he's like, yeah, and and Cusco's trying the potions, and they get they narrow down like, oh, there's two left. So one, yeah. so one of them has to be a person one. Yeah. Yeah, and there. Isma gets it, and she gets turned into a tiny kitten. Get it? Because it's voiced by Eartha Kit, Catwoman. Yes. <laughs> get it? This, this movie just beats Children. you over the head with yeah. it. Children of ne- of the year two thousand, you. <laughs> she was Catwoman. Yeah, she was Catwoman. Ask your dad. Ask uh, your dad who the sexiest Catwoman was. <laughs> Spoilers: It was Earth Kit. So, Sorry, so yeah. Lee Merriweather. So yeah, they're going through the scene after she gets like after she like falls for the vial. Mm-hmm. Oh, we we did we did forget that Kronk did have his conscience of faith again, where he tried to kill Isma. Yeah, with the he has the uh, the devil and everything. It's like the the angels, like you know, the salvation will come from above. And they look up, and there's a chandelier up there. Cuts the rope, <laughs> but she's so rail thin that he goes yeah, right over her. Right over, her. So, like yeah. a lot of like things in this movie where it's like this normally works. Like yeah, it does. Like again, yeah. the whole like yeah, you it's get me- it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, he's immediately you know sent off to the depths of the fla- palace because of the the, the trapdoor situation that's going on there. Where just like Mister Burns's office, there's like. Yeah, the trapdoor's there when you need it, but yeah. <laughs> they somehow it exists where it needs to exist. Uh, yeah, it just happens to be that you happen to be standing in that spot. Why the why there would be a trapdoor next to the chandelier rope? Unclear. Yeah. But there it is. Yeah. Uh, in case somebody wanted to adjust the chandelier, but you were like, no, you could dispatch it then medically. Don't touch that chandelier. Chunk. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I the more I've thought about it, like the over the overt nature with the way some of the gags are delivered, yeah. it's and this is probably the case based on what we're going to talk about in a bit, but that the writers have made this effing movie with such a chip on their shoulder, yeah, like hey, you know what? <laughs> Here it is. Hey, Here's the joke. Know, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. normally works, but not now. Or, yeah, or, or we know we get it. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways, they fight over the vial some more. Eartha Kit falls off the building for an upsettingly long amount of time. <laughs> yes, that it, uh, almost Hans Gruber esque amount of time. Yeah. Um. I will say the trampoline gag. Is honestly one of my favorites. That is funny. Like, it's like, why is this here? Yeah, it makes no sense. It's just there, and just the exchange between the two. It's like I told you we didn't order any trampolines. But why didn't you tell me that before I built it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. And then she hits the trampoline, gets shot back up, catches the vial. Uh, when she gets back up and is about to use the vial again, here comes Kronk, smashes her because, wow, who would have thought that that. You know, secret passageway would have let me right here. Yeah. Uh, again, another Deus Ex Machina 
uh, just this, it happened because it needed to situation. And it was a goofy sight gag that, yeah, why would the trapdoor send him right there at that very second? But there it is. And she also can't open the vial because the cork with the the pull the cork out because she's got cat paws. She's basically a kitten. Yeah. Uh, The fact that they couldn't come out with her tugging on it with her teeth makes no sense. But because she was clearly had a grip on it because it was stretching and everything. Whatever. Um, Oh, we didn't mention that them to them to get the vial, they were doing the teamwork backup walk up the thing again. It was a um, callback. Yeah, callback to that. Which, it didn't, again, it's one of those things where it was a callback, but it didn't really mean anything because she got to the vial before them anyways. So, again, another one of those things where it's like, this would have worked in any other movie, but not this one. Yep. Um, so, yeah, they everything everything worked out. He gets the vial. He turns, turns back into a human. Uh, he becomes a better person for the adventure uh, because of the adventure. He, he apologizes to the old guy. He throws oh, out. the old guy. He changes his opinion on building the Kuzkatopia. Uh, under, under the guise of being a jerk, though. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. No, you, you told me like these hills were singing. and Once the sun of, hits these hills, it starts singing. And let me tell I'm you. I'm going to move it somewhere else because you lied to me. Yeah. Like, and then he's like, well, you know where it does? Like the hill next to us as a way of saying, like, hey, buddy. Again, uh, it's just one of those. It's just one of those dumb things where it's like now he now they live in the same village together because Phil's built his summer house, still gets his summer house, still gets his water slide. Yeah, still, uh, still, uh, but he's he's better. He's, he's got his heart. He's grown three sizes that day. Yes, he lets Poncho's children use the water slide. Yeah, um, he's maybe a little then, bit too much into Poncho's wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she 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 made him a poncho with a llama on it as like a big like yeah I like that. <laughs> it's like oh no, prima Nocturne's coming back. <laughs> um, and then you get then you get the like what would be a post credit scene in any other movie is just like this quick cut to Kronk doing his scout leader routine, talking with a squirrel, and there's Isma as one of the scouts and everything. It's still the cat. Still the cat. Not, not fixed. Um, well, you don't know. I mean, she, she didn't listen to Bob Barker and get her fixed. <laughs> You'd think, I mean, she... Yeah, at, uh, her, at her advantage. Yeah. She could, uh, she could uh, technically just tell somebody how to make the potion to fix it, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> not important. Yeah. Uh... And they cut to the it's, one sing song. Yeah, yeah, the one sing song that made it into the movie. Uh, Nominated for an Oscar, by the way. It was. It was. Did not win. Uh, Bob Dylan won uh, that year. But uh, yeah, okay. So we both do we that start? to get to the next thing. Where do we start? Well, do we do we combine production with the sweatbox? Sort of, or should we just talk about the sweat box? I guess, I mean, the, the sweat box and production go hand in hand. So I might yeah. just do. I, I think, I think it'll be easier just to, like, yeah, we'll just talk about production and production. So the sweat box, as we mentioned earlier, was the documentary 
it's like a work print version that's out there. You can easily get it. It's on YouTube right now. Yeah. It tends to disappear from time to time. Disney seems to care less now than they did like five, ten years ago. As of um, this recording, it's on there. Yeah, and it's been on there for a couple of months now. So um, it used to be harder to find online than it is now, but um, it's there. It's fascinating. It, um, it really is. It's a behind the curtain thing. It is. It is so. It is like doubly behind the curtain. It is so undisney like. Yeah. Um, that you understand why it never saw light of day in a traditional sense. Do you know what it is, JJ? It is hmm. the Disney Beyond the Mat. It is. It one hundred percent is. Yeah. And I was going to say that. Okay. Um, because it, it, it's this thing that much we like make Beyond, movies. Water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just like Beyond the Mat as well, like as years have gone by, Disney has sort of become more accepting of this yeah. thing. That's why it's still up. You know, um, nobody's going to ever openly admit to it, but they're also not going out of their way to stop its existence anymore. Yeah. Especially like... since especially since so many of those people aren't involved anymore. Like, and so it's, you know. It, it is. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it early on. Like Sting's wife is the director of the documentary, or you know, so yeah. As such, uh, Sting's in it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's curse, like a sailor. It, it's yeah, it, it, it's weird to see, like, because it clearly this. It's so funny for a movie called The Sweatbox, where it's really clearly its initial intention was supposed to be how a musician makes music by committee for a movie, Yeah, you know, like this sort of history of that, which is fascinating. It is fascinating to see a creator like Sting not being able, not being able or allowed to create how he would. Right. It's fascinating to see him struggle with that throughout this movie and not handle it well at all. Um, well, was he initially supposed to do six songs for this thing? Yes. But that's that's like typical for these movies. Yeah. I mean, like, what I think I think you do six. It's not guaranteed that they're all going to. I mean, look at Lion King. Yeah. Um, how much and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So basically, the original movie was more Prince and the Popper. Yeah. Than whatever this this one isn't anything. Like it's not the Emperor's New Clothes. Nope. And uh, which is what the title sort of implies that it would be. And it's not that original Prince and the Pauper featuring Owen Wilson uh, no. that it ended up. Wow. 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 Um, I do like that you go from Owen Wilson to John Goodman. Like, those are. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like. What? I mean, I guess they eventually both found work with Pixar. So, in that yeah. sense, it's yeah. makes, it's kind of a thing, but. Yeah. So you have um, Sully, so, you have Mike, and Lightning McQueen. Yeah. So you have uh, uh, the, the movie starts off sort of focused on like Roger Allers. Yeah. The director of it. Um, the first director. <laughs> the first director of it. Um, for Disney, he directed The Lion King. Yeah. So, you know, he's got a prestige to him. You know, he worked on the story for. Um, Coincidentally enough, the Prince and the Pauper, mm-hmm. the Disney, the Mickey Mouse Prince and the Pauper. Uh, he was the head story 
developer for Beauty and the Beast, story for Rec- Rescuers Down Under, story for, you know, sto- but like anyone that was sort of at the studio gets story credit because it's, right. like, as you see in the documentary, it sort of becomes a committee thing at a point. Um, but the Lion King directorial thing is really his, like, okay. Yeah. We trust this guy. We trust first. this guy. So here we go. Um, so. So it so it starts off with it's like it's basically this movie starts off in 1997, yeah, where the movie is starting to take off where it's been greenlit, and he goes and says, "Hey Sting, how would you like to do Disney music?" And Sting's like, "Yeah, I'd like to do Disney music." <laughs> He's like, "I, you know, like since Sleeping Beauty," and I was like, "Yeah, it it's it just weird to see his Sting's arc of this thing as far as his interest, his love of Disney." <laughs> It's fun to it's fun to watch that spark get snuffed out. Yes, uh, over the course of the filming, because um, like he really is like, yeah, that's yeah, that sounds great, you know, like because I mean at the time when we think about like you know, Elton John was still riding the wave of that of the yeah. thing at this point, especially in 1997. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I mean, I'm sure. Uh, Can you feel the love tonight? Was still, you know absorbing the airwaves everywhere it can. Yeah. So. And, and I mean, he'd, he'd kind of done a song for a Disney film with uh, All for Love for Three Musketeers, so he yeah. maybe had a little bit of insight of that, but yeah, not to this extent. Um, and everyone was very excited. You know, it was a palpable excitement for Kingdom of the Sun. Um, uh, so... <laughs> Shortly, shortly after they're sort of getting everything really worked out, you're introduced to uh, Schumacher and Schneider, mm-hmm. the executive producers of the movie. <laughs> um, it did not go well. <laughs> uh, that what was that, that that guy who's like whispering next to the, the uh, door? We like so I hear. I just couldn't scrap the whole thing. <laughs> you have, I love it when they get to some of the animators and they're just yeah. like, I heard that they're going to start completely over from scratch. I heard that they're, some of us have heard that they've fired Roger. Some, some have heard that Sting can't renew his contract. Yep. <laughs> um, St- they absolutely hated the movie. Um, and uh, I, <laughs> the way they say uh, the way they say, like, uh, I, I liked that, like, everything sucks except for, like, I like the love song and the llama song. Because <laughs> okay. it comes because across. Because Sting's in the room. Because Sting's in the room, but you can read the room and you can read them in this documentary where they're lying. Like, they're clearly lying. Like, they absolutely did not like those songs. No. Um, that llama song is genuinely awful. It is just the clips you hear. Like he's just again, like you said, word salad, like pajama, palama, panorama. Yeah, and it, like you like, never get what the, the hell is this? Yeah, it, it it just really is sting. Just like it, it's 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 like the um oh what was the uh the David Allen Greer's uh in Living Color character? Oh God, he wrote a song about it. Like here here it goes. Yeah. <laughs> The Calhoun t- tubs or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, it's it comes across as the same thing. Like, 
It's like, oh, oh, you, oh, it's a movie about a llama. I wrote a song about a llama. Like, here, here it goes. And just him, just whatever, like looking around the room, finding things to sing about, <laughs> and throw the word llama in there. Sting, do you really love lamp, or are you just saying that because there's a lamp in the room? <laughs> yeah, it, it comes across exactly like what, like it, it's him trying to scientifically create a children's song, which he's 100% incapable of doing. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's like, listen, we understand that your mind wants to make a song like Roxanne. Yeah, you get that. That's not what you can write for this. You need to, you need to have a good children's song. The yeah. love song, the love song. I think he actually sort of nailed that one. Well, yeah, that's, he's written this before, but like that's what that's what he's used to. So he was able to write a love song that just happened to involve Disney characters. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, yeah. Can you just like? Can we just use a mod- melody of "Don't Stand So Close to Me"? Yeah. Like, can you put like, like some llama stuff on it? Like the like the llama song like. It feels like Raffi would take offense to. Oh my god! It's it, banana phone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Greg and like, Steve present this Disney album. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, so, but I think the reason they say that is because he's in the room, and he's not an employee of Disney, yeah. so he can be like, "All right, peace out, bye." Yeah. And even like him sitting in there. Like saying, well, I thought it was, I thought it was a good movie, <laughs> and they basically like, shut yeah. up, <laughs> shut up, Sting. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah, shut up. Um, go, so, go, and uh, you and Trudy go hang out for eight hours. Yeah, so it becomes, uh, you go back and everything, they they have nothing now. They're saying like this movie's just not working. They they have nothing, and so. You know, Roger Allers is just, just like, you know, d- just, just beside himself. He is upset. Um, and all the, and they, you cut to interviews with all the animators and stuff too. And they're all like, like, this changes like every, like, the color guy was like, changing the script could change the entire color palette of the film. And I'm just back from uh, square one here. Yeah. Um, so what's the part where they're in that that conference room and they're talking about like the guy's sound effects like it's just too heavy yeah like where is he in the back like yeah this like yeah it's not working yeah and he's just like "Eh." so basically what they do is they grab story guys from like other disney stuff and they sort of have a powwow of trying to come up with what the plot should be for Kingdom of the Sun now. A booking meeting. Yeah, yeah, basically. And after they sort of come up with the new plot is when Roger leaves. Because yep. it's not his movie anymore. He's done. He's like, this is, you know, you've created I, I had my idea, this is my idea and this isn't my idea anymore. So he's gone. Out of there. And you get um, Mark takes over. I forget his last name. Yeah. Starts with a D. Starts with a D. Mark D. Uh, <laughs> was it Schumacher who's like, yeah, well, he's being really cool about it. he's he's being a gentleman and an adult about it. So it's not weird. But I, I mean I guess it's kind of weird when I see him in the halls, but you know, he's not being weird about it. Like yeah. so what you're saying, he's being weird to, about it. <laughs> cut to him, cut to him on vacation, just trying to <laughs> staring at the sunset on the beach. Yeah. 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 Just, contemplating the mysteries of the universe. Like, worried about life itself at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
At this point, the movie takes on its second title, Kingdom in the Sun, which they even in the even in the movie they take a shot. It's like, well, it's a it's 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 a small thing, but uh, it, it is progress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is about the point where it, they because uh, so the original plot as they were doing was sort of this Prince and the Popper thing where Owen Wilson looks like Owen Wilson's character looks like his version of Pacha yeah. looks like um the, uh David Spade's uh Macha. Macha. Pacha <laughs> um, and Macha. Yeah. Uh looks like him so they were going to do a, you know, swap, you know, Prince and the Popper thing. And then, you know, then he gets turned into a llama and then you get the whole like the story theoretically would play out similarly because it shows some of the, some of the footage and it looks like there's similar things going on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at this point is where Owen Wilson is uh, unceremoniously yanked from the movie and replaced with John Goodman. But I like the one guy's like, so my character went from uh, you know, 18 year old kid to a 45 year old man. So that's. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I do like the whole. You kind of feel bad for the animators that, like, especially like when you're like, they're on location in like South America, yeah, and they're like yeah. looking around like, oh yeah, we're gonna incorporate this, and you're like, no, no, no you're not. You're not gonna no, do any not. of that. No, no, you're not. Um, and, and so yeah, Schneider and Schumacher are very happy with the changes they're making. Sting, very much not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Writes a terse letter. Right. <laughs> The letter is the best part of this movie. Yeah. Because, like, Sting has has typed up a letter about how unhappy he is with the plot of this movie. Yeah. Um, I think he makes a valid point in the sense that, you know, uh, it doesn't make any sense that we go through all of this and he still gets his water park at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> it means he doesn't, he hasn't really learned that much, just to respect people a little more. But, uh, um, but once they get the letter, <laughs> it's, it, oh, they have that meaning. Did anybody get Sting's letter? Yeah, yeah, those are good notes. There's some yeah. good notes in there. Yeah, they're very clearly fully aware that the camera's on them, yeah. so they can't just talk trash about Sting's dumb letter. Yeah, but you can, you can, the the animosity towards the letter is palpable by yeah. Schumacher and Schneider in particular. Like, and even Roy Disney, who they talk to, yeah, yeah. Like, which I said, like, eh, we're gonna do, you know, it's good to have people like you know thinking outside the box. Yeah, we're gonna still do whatever the hell we want. But yeah, it's we're good doing what they, yeah. can, they can contribute. So good. That whole scene is so good because it really does give you because it, it's the perfect encapsulation of like what Disney was what was going on. With the yeah. <laughs> Like the chaos, so the animators are doing their best to work with what they have, which yeah. is very little at this point. Still, um, you have the outsider who doesn't understand any of this, um, not being able to handle it, and, and them just being like, "Get, get out of here, Sting! Go!" Yeah. Like the the, ex- the the executives in charge of everything are just—they're gonna have their way no matter what, it doesn't matter what the art is behind it. These executives are going to have their way at the end. Um, and, and they kind of, they sort of don't care that 
And I kind of I see Sting's frustration because it's like, okay, yeah. you're done with this movie. Nope, now you're not. And he's like, yeah. well, I'm on the Himalayas now. Yeah, but. yeah. Sting's like, well, see ya, because you know he's been doing it for. I think he even said like it's been we've been working on this for two years. I thought it was over, and it's not. Yeah. Uh, because and he's already started to work on his next album at this point so they've strung him along so long to the point where his schedule is thrown out of whack yeah. entirely and so he's screwed like he's 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 got his commitment to make these songs for this movie but he's trying to do his own thing so he's not in the creative space that he needs to be for to do um, his stuff and the disney stuff but it doesn't so much matter with the disney stuff because they're gonna pretty much tell him what to write right um and they kind of do. I mean, like, uh, so I, I do that. like the I do like the one oh, that Mark, I guess, the director, where he's like they 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 call Sting and they have him on speakerphone. Yeah, Eric. So here's where we're at. Yeah, all your yeah. songs. Yeah, we're not going to use any of them. Yeah. <laughs> so write one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. They just basically Sting's commitment goes to one song. Yeah. Um, it's just, just this movie was just so weirdly mismanaged. Um, and you got to remember, so when you're watching all of this, you have to keep in mind that this isn't the Disney of this. This is the Disney of soon to come, mm-hmm. not the Disney of current. As they're making this movie, Disney is still on top of the world, right? Um, because you know this movie is taking place between ninety eight and ninety nine, basically, um, or ninety seven and ninety nine, right. um, basically. And that's what well, Disney is still at the top of the world. I mean, the Lion King is still brand new. They haven't really released, you know, Fantasia. To the, you know, Tarzan hasn't come out yet. And, you know, that was. <laughs> um, How dare you use they, that use that dirty word? On the- um, you know, so so Disney like Disney has hasn't really been dropping off yet during the early production of this documentary because you know dinosaur was in production and so was fantasia Walt, roy was probably working on fantasia 2003 production of this documentary um you could which, see why it did fall off a cliff based on the lack of communication and the yeah i think the good thing that this movie sort of figures out what went wrong at the end of this documentary yeah, and it's the fact that nobody wanted to say anything until it was too late. <laughs> yep, and um, that's exactly what happened. Like they waited till zero hour, and it sounds very similar to what happened with Toy Story, mm-hmm. where they showed Toy Story, and once the Disney executive saw it, there's like, no, this is unacceptable. This is a terrible movie. Do it again, and they had to do it again. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, except it's one thing when you have Pixar, who was at the time an outside studio working on behalf of Disney, as opposed to this is your studio. This is your main folks. Um, this movie is also like vaguely, I don't want to say racist, but like they kind of like make references a couple of times of like those Europeans, huh? They really understand cartoons. Like this weird, like, yeah. But, oh, cause they had the, the outsource stuff to Paris yeah, to Paris and stuff. It's like, Oh, it's Paris. They, they treat comics, they treat comics different than yeah. uh, animation. Different. Than, like, yeah. This, they, these, they, yeah. 
they have the, they draw that good erotica, so they should be good at this. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just weird. And there's the one there's the one Stokes joke with Sting about like it's been two years. Yeah, you've gone gay since then. Yeah, which is just like this weird like it sticks out like a sore thumb yeah. in this. It's like boy, you know full well that line would have been cut along with every other profanity Sting drops yeah. in this movie. And that one David Spade comment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also like the whole thing where he talks about in this letter, I don't like the fact they're taking bits and pieces of different cultures and throwing them in this thing. Yeah. And just, just sort like, of Yes, well, whatever. The very Disney thing of sort of trying to create your own like they are trying to create like culture out of multiple cultures. Because that's what Disney does. They always have. Yeah. Like like you, you see, like what you know, Milan. It's like it's Chinese culture, but it's like they're taking it from like different areas of lore and things, like the Native American stuff too. Oh, and oh God, yeah. or even yeah. Uh, Hercules. Yeah. Hercules, yeah. yeah. They're just sort of yeah. So again, Sting isn't wrong, but it's not his place either. No. <laughs> like, it, it comes across as one of those like. Uh, to whom it may concern, emails that you get CC yeah. in an office. Oh my god! Like, like it, it, it's like you know, if the refrigerator was for you know, <laughs> it's, it's Sting is the person who leaves a passive aggressive note in the break room. Yeah. About like, hey, listen, Friday's cleanout day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the yeah, the cupboards aren't your. About- yeah, this isn't your house. These cupboards aren't for your personal you know, storage. Wash the dishes you use. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean that's what it comes across as. And, and, and even once they get the letter, we're just going to focus on the letter because the letter is the best part of the movie. Which is yeah. when they get the letter and they're sitting around talking about the letter, they clearly are just like, just like the movie itself, looking at the audience, like, can you believe this nonsense with this letter? If we have to, pretend- it could have been his wife in the room with the camera. Yeah, almost certainly. Yeah, if she was directing the documentary, she was almost certainly had to have been there. Yeah, she was... the things that she probably heard that they didn't want Sting to hear because yeah. <laughs> they forgot that she was the director. Like what a what a bonehead! I, I, is what we would say if we yeah. were another studio. <laughs> I do like it. I, um... <laughs> The Wikipedia page for the sweatbox has a great line, and I saved it because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Sting continues to work on the film, though he feels that his role has been reduced somewhat. <laughs> somewhat? Um, you what? feel that way? <laughs> Is that how you feel? Because guess what? It was. That's not it, like, that's not a feeling. That's no. a fact. <laughs> yeah. JJ, can we talk about the most out of, the weirdest thing of this documentary, which has nothing to do with Emperor's New Group whatsoever? Where there, he's in the Himalayas, and they keep showing that dude in the. Yeah, what is? Going and they keep zooming in on him, like why? And he's looking at the camera, like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that was. Yeah, I <laughs> some some guy in like the in the hot spring. Yeah. Just like so, yeah. so, um, making a movie. Cool Can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> I was making a documentary. You're, about you're uh, what are you, about the Himalayas? No, about a Disney cartoon. Yeah. What? <laughs> but, but we just need your like your middle aged shirtless body in it. Is it is it about the Himalayas? No, <laughs> no, it's not. 
Why are you zooming in? Don't worry about it. <laughs> there's another. There's there's another movie out there that uh, we're not allowed to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, we also have. We have to talk about when he learns what the emperor, the titles been changed again. Oh my god! Sting's reaction. It's just like. Well, I did hear earlier, but it's getting t- getting changed too. So I kind of, you know, I kind of was ready for it. But uh, you know, now hearing it in the context of this new story, I'm all right with it. Like, no, <laughs> Sting, your first reaction was, yeah. <laughs> if you could have mouth fart, you would have. Yeah, and it's so funny because it really is. Um... It is funny because the way he says it while there, it's like, when I heard the uh, title, I was indifferent about it. But now that I'm seeing it and within context, it makes sense. Like, yeah. not really saying that it's good. It's like, oh, I get it now. You've done this to this movie. I okay. kind of think at this point, he's like, listen. Can I just. Can I don't I care. Now? Let me just. Here's can your I, song. Yeah, can I be free of this, please? Yeah. Please um, stop. Uh, and then you have Don Hahn at the end of the um, movie sort of saying like, whew, that was, uh, that was an ordeal, huh? I, I learned some valuable lessons. <laughs> Did you, though? <laughs> uh, not to wait till the last minute uh, <laughs> to tell yeah. people that I don't li- we don't like this stuff, that don't, don't, try, to, don't try to protect feelings. Yeah. Uh, I do like at one point they even talk about because, you know, it is well known that with these movies that there is a lot of like, no, this doesn't work. Go back to it. This movie goes goes at it as hard as ever. And they mentioned it earlier in the film, like they're sitting around talking about it. It's like you hear about like, oh, that's just what making a cartoon is like. It's like, well, yeah, but not like this. Like even they say it in the movie like this is. Yeah. This is something completely different. And I like staying at the end, just defeated. Absolutely defeated. It's like, you know, I didn't like I like I didn't like how it happened. I didn't understand it, but once uh you know, making some music by committee and having to go through all this stuff, but it's a process that works and I'm happy with what just came out of it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like Sting asked for a Nintendo for Christmas. His parents got him a, a, a master system. Like, oh, that's cool. He got, he got fun. Yeah, he got a seventy-eight hundred. Oh, whatever. Maybe I'll get it one for my birthday. But this is pretty cool. None of the other kids got this, so I'll be the only one in my street to have it. Uh, it's just like nobody wants to. I think Sting comes the closest to like being honest about like, whoa. It was like, oh, he's taking it well. Or like, well, you know, it's kind of how it is. And for a movie that's never been released, uh, this movie does hold a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a, Uh, it's, it's a fun. I will, I will say that this is more enjoyable than the actual movie. I oh, think? oh, sweatbox. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about yes. Oh. No, 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 no. The sweatbox. No, it's one hundred percent. Yeah, it was never actually. Released. I think I enjoy the sweatbox more than the Emperor's New Groove, just for 
that's more my style. I love documentaries and I love nonfiction stuff. And this one lets you, know, you see Disney at a weird place. That kind of makes sense because you and I, as wrestling fans, like the behind the scenes garbage more than the actual product half the yeah. time. Yeah. So like, I want that dirt. I, I that dirt. Uh, on the website Mouse Planet, um, one of the writers attended a screening. And when she, he says that when uh, whenever Schumacher and Schneider were on screen, uh, there were howls from the audience because it was mostly Disney animators. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he he wrote that the the executives come across as nerdy bullies who didn't seem to know what was going on when it came to animation. And yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they absolutely do. They they we don't like it. Them. We don't know why. We don't like it though. Yeah, because I. <laughs> The perfect example of them not knowing what is like how to make a movie is the scene where they're talking about the family. Yeah. And he's like, like, because you have them talking about, it's like, I don't like the family. I don't like going back to the family, you know, like all that Mm -hmm. stuff. They're like, no, you have to have the family because it makes no sense if it's just to a single guy going out there for like, what's, what's his. and so he had to see them sort of backpedal on that a little bit because the entire room is being hostile against these executives because they clearly don't understand what story means just because they simply don't like the way something played out they're ready to salt the earth underneath it yeah and like it's like i don't like the way the family is played here so just get rid of it altogether it's like that doesn't make any sense like that makes no sense you don't understand what you're talking about and they never they rarely come across as likable or, or likable. Right. Yeah. Or what they, they know anything about what's going on at the studio. So these guys aren't there anymore, right? No. Okay. Were they out quickly thereafter or do you know that? Uh, I think not quickly, but quickly enough. I think within two years, um, Schneider is gone. And no, Schumacher's gone within two years. And I think uh, yeah, I think Schneider is gone the year after this movie. So yeah, okay. they're gone. So Schumacher's gone a little longer. Schneider's gone almost immediately. I forgot what I forgot what their 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 credits were that gave them the power to do this. I for, like they had some. Well, because Schneider was involved in um, Roger Rabbit, yeah. the Beast, Lion King, and I think um, Schumacher. I think Schumacher just had been there for a long time. Wow. Oh, that's right. Schumacher said he'd been a, a performance artist or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He was like. like he, 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 he was like. Way up ladder. Yeah. But he like also was like. Uh, what is it? He was, I can't remember because he was like originally like in ballet or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, like that. something like that. Yeah, like, he, and like he joined Disney in like the eighties, and he was like the producer of the Rescuers Down Under. Um, and like yeah, he quickly just sort of because in the time frame where these guys made their rise to power, it's about the same time that Eisner came in. And so just, I think, I think you just positioned yourself in the right place at the right time kind of thing, especially during a 
somebody else coming into power. It's like Eric Bischoff becoming president of WCW. It makes no sense, but yeah. just was able to talk himself into the role. You know? <laughs> like, it could be a thing where Eisner liked them personally. Yeah. Just like, hey, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, uh, but not people who should be making these decisions. Clearly, no, clearly, clearly they, yeah, clearly they, clearly they weren't being a producer is one thing. Being president is a completely other thing. Like, like they, they don't, they didn't, they clearly didn't understand the process of making, like as well as they thought they did about what it's made, telling a story, not even necessarily animation, even though animation, it's a very Katzenberg level understanding of what animation is. Like how he went into the editing bay to start editing the Black Cauldron, even though that's not how you worked on cartoons, right. you know. And it's a very similar sort of level of like you can't just stop this because now you're breaking everything. You've broken everything, and we're almost done. Like we're about to start animation, and now everything's changed. Everything we've designed is done. Every song that's been written is gone because you're indecisive. And don't know what you want. Yeah. So, like, like there was no middle ground. There was no what can we do to salvage this. It was just we can't salvage this, and they made that decision, and they're done. Because from what we saw of the footage that's in there, and what we know of the plot, it sounds like a very good movie. Yeah. It sounds like you could have turned that into something. Yeah. I could know the the llama song, but yeah, yeah, Um, but. Like, like the whole, like, yeah, the Prince and the Pauper story made a lot of sense. And, like, you know, there, there is no love plot in this movie at all, even though nope. the original version did. Um, so, you know, there was some, you could have salvaged the original movie in some way, but instead, but they, they've decided that, no. Um, we don't care how far behind schedule we are. We don't care how much money we've already put in this This film. was supposed to be the movie, when that, like, Dinosaur got pushed up, where so this one got pushed out because they were behind schedule. So Dinosaur replaced it, it in its release schedule. So that's what happened with that. Because again, they were behind schedule because they had to start the movie all over again. Um, in two and a half years, right? They had two and yeah. a half years from that point to yeah. And, and during all of this, you had stuff like uh we're working on this movie, but now it's being pushed out. So we need to take these guys because they're working on this segment for Fantasia or, you know, we're working on these guys and now they have to go do this over here because it's taking too long. Um, so yeah. Um, but, uh, I do like one thing. Uh, uh, you have David Reynolds who, uh, with, with the new idea, uh, he was a late night comedy writer. Um, so he says I pitched a simple comedy that's basically a buddy road picture with two guys being chased in the style of a Chuck Jones cartoon but faster and Disney told me to give it a shot (laughs) um, and for the most part it works yeah yeah Um, yeah there we go meanwhile the name Manko was changed to Kuzco following uh, Fulmer's discovery that the Japanese slang term Manko with a K, not a C, like the character's name was, translates to, and it actually says the word in a Wikipedia article. So. And, it, and it has a link that you can click. I don't know what that uh, where that's going to take me in Wikipedia no. rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, so, hey, hey, uh, listener, just uh, yeah. wiki, uh, 
wiki uh, the sweat box or whatever you groove the uh, yeah. subsection for sweat boxes in there so yeah yeah and sweat box has its own wikipedia article yeah. by itself too which is fascinating um it just there is so much that broke in this movie it's 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 fascinating uh it's fascinating that it came out in any sort of like presentable way yeah um, that was remotely good yeah yeah like it shouldn't be as good as it is but it somehow came together in the end i mean it's um, when we get to it i will tell you it's my personal belief and i'm sure yours that it was a lot better than some movies that were in production for a long long time yeah and yeah yeah um Eisner's biggest fear about this movie was that it was very similar to Hercules, <laughs> which, it, like, like the story-wise, I'm like, I guess, in a way, you know, making his way back to whatever. I, 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 I get totally what he means, uh, but the only reason he was actually worried wasn't because it seemed like Hercules, it was that Hercules underperformed at the box office and that's what he was worried about yeah well the little clip of that little stone guy the little um yeah well that's how that was harvey firestein it sounded like right i think so yeah and that was very phil and hercules dynamic yeah yeah, yeah. thousand year old rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like so i uh you know i like my fair lady and why can't a woman be more like so i just took that song it made it oh, too yeah. rocks. <laughs> oh my god, that's right. And then he starts playing it out and it sounds exactly like my fair lady song. Yeah. Rex Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. That was you just sit there. I, I actually had my mouth like hung open. I was like, This you can't be serious, Stan. Yeah, like, I, I, I was like, he's it's I was, he's I was the melody of that song, basically. I was, I was stunned by like is this what your creative process is? How did you ever at- obtain anything resembling fame? If yeah. This is like, I thought this was a good idea, so I just stole the song. Yeah. <laughs> but he did the, he's being very literal, like, well, I can't a human be more like a rock. Live for thousands of years and be sturdy. Just be like, what the hell, I can just picture his wife just standing behind the camera like what are you what i'm filming this because i need to blackmail you later yeah. <laughs> like, you know what makes me, makes me wonder is how much what got edited from this part from this documentary like honey this makes you look like just the biggest jackass <laughs> i do like the um Horrified at the ending, Sting commented that I wrote the same letter and I wrote them a letter and said, you do this and I'm resigning because this is exactly the opposite of what I stand for. I spent 20 years trying to defend the rights of the indigenous people and you're just marching over them to build a theme park. I will not be a party to this. As a result, the ending was rewritten in which Cusco instead constructs a shack similar to Pacha's and spends his vacations among the villagers. Like, yeah, no, that's not what happened. Like, no. He still built the water slide. He did not build a shack. He just built a smaller version of Kuzgotopia. But he shares <laughs> that with the villagers. With the villagers. Which, it's, we're playing a little fast and loose with the word villagers because it is his family. Yeah. And that's 
seems to be the only part of the village you ever see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, is this an Animal Crossing village? Like when you first move in? It's, yeah. it's like, it's just you. You get to pick where your house goes. So you, you picked it on top of the hill. Yep. And so... <laughs> It's like, uh, hey, uh, Pacha, can you get me a peach? Really? Like, there's a peach tree behind you, Dizzy. Just yeah. Turn around and get your peach. <laughs> uh, oh, man. They were actually. <laughs> Atlantis was being worked on at the exact same time as this movie, too. Oh, like, they're God. still actively working on Atlantis while this movie's being worked on. Um, so, let me ask you a question. Okay. Does anybody in this documentary come out looking good? No, like the Alan, animators, maybe. the anim, the animators come out looking fine. Yeah, I think because they're just they they, they come across as the grunts. Yeah, you know, because you do have like the one that that European guy that was like everyone's like, oh, you're gonna move to America and work at Disney? Jeez, nerd! You know that yeah. kind of that yeah. kind of like he comes out fine. Like all of the animators, like because the, the, they all seem genuinely worried at all times and anxious, uh, and they hate their bosses. And they're upset. Like they come, Allers comes out fine. Yeah. Uh, they they try to paint him as being uh, unreasonable, but we know how some of these directors are. We know how they think of their art. And I, I think it, asking him to make a movie that he don't want to make that wasn't the movie he signed on to make. Yeah. It, it's fair for him to say, "I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah. Um, they tried to make it seem like. He chose. He should have stuck it stuck it out, but um, for the most part, everyone else, like the the you know Schneider and Schumacher and Stang, all kind of come across as stubborn fools. Like, because yeah. <laughs> for every for every scene where Sting comes across as kind of okay, there's like two scenes where it's like, what, what are you doing? Just write the music, man. Just yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, even like the guy who's doing the score, yeah, like, where they kind of call him the task, like he's like, Yeah, and you know, they said that you know, they just kind of wanted my blessing on it, and they gave it to him. I still got paid though, so I just, yeah. just like, Okay, yeah, yeah, he didn't care for the art of it at all. So, yeah. um, I do like the scene where he's like, Well, I'm gonna go hang out with my new best friend, Tom Jones. Well, they yeah. just like 30 second scene of Tom Jones uh performing in the studio. Watching Eartha Kitt do the voice acting when they cut to her in the booth, yeah, where she's just like into it, she's breathing heavy, and she's moving around like yeah. crazy. Like, man, I wish she did more cartoons. Man, she's she's killing it. Yeah, well, even the part where she, they're talking about like, oh, hey, your character's different. She's like, wow, that I love her now, and she's she's a trooper, man. Of yeah. anybody in this movie, Eartha Kitt is the most roll with the punches. You know, person. You know what my favorite part of the movie is, and I'm sure of of the sweatbox, and I'm sure is one of your favorite parts is when they get into the marketing section and it has them sitting around a table examining all the McDonald's toys yes. that are about to come out. Yeah. I I when that happened, I was just like, oh, this is the kind of stuff I want to see. Yeah, I wish I, there was more to that scene of them picking apart the McDonald's toys. Like, yes. well, I don't know if they should do this or something. Yeah. The, 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 I would, yeah, I would have be in one of those videos. Like, well, you know, the action feature can't inhibit like the the opposability. <laughs> there wasn't. Uh, I guess get to our typical stuff where we talk about like yeah. what happens after the movie comes out, um, marketing wise. Like the, the McDonald's toys was kind of it. Like, yeah, and 
you'll see some Kuzco stuff from time to time still. Because there is, he, he has catchphrases. Boom, baby. Yeah. Like, but, um, but like, there's not really, this movie didn't really have a lasting impact on the history of Disney. No. Other than, you know, it did fine enough, but, um, it, uh, when it came out, um, it was already out the gate. People were comparing it to the road to El Dorado, <laughs> which did not do what well. did not. Do, uh, but road to El Dorado was actually, probably, uh, it's a better movie. Uh, it's the DreamWorks so, movie. That was, yeah, that was DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> so, you know, Disney still dealing with the Katzenberg issue. <laughs> um, even though he's not even there anymore. Yeah. I, w- I wonder what this movie... I need to see what this movie opened up against. Because I bet you it was something crazy. That's, when did this movie open? It opened... Da, 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 December 15th, 2000. So... List of movies. Do you think Christmas season cartoons Disney? Yeah. List of American films in the year two thousand. No, that's not what I want. I wanted. Uh, I don't want list. I just wanted films of the year in the year two thousand. Okay, we're three for three. We got it in all three. Yes. Movies. Glad. I was. I was worried about that for a minute. But we got it. Let's get to December. What did Emperor's New Groove open up against? What do you think? Anything of anything of note? Uh, December two thousand. I don't know, man. Give me. Will you shoot me? Okay. okay. Here's what the Emperor's New Groove opened up against. Was it December fifteenth? Chocolat. Okay. Uh. What do we got? We got uh, Jackson Pollock's movie Pollock, What Women Want, and Dude, Where's My Car? So, in theory, it should have been fine. Yeah, at the previous week, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, Snatch, and Vertical Vertical Limit. And the next week, you get Castaway and Dracula 2000. Well, I like, well, one of those movies is good. Yeah, Dracula so. 2000 is good just for how dumb it is. So. Yeah, so you know it opened up against Dude, Where's My Car? So, uh, on a budget of a hundred million dollars, it made a hundred and sixty-nine million dollars so at the box office. Made a profit. Made Not a profit. One. Um, uh, the only like, like best original song nominated for the Academy Awards. Uh, Again, there's no we're we're only we're a few years away still from uh, there being a uh, category for film. best film animated yeah. film. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it, it, it was uh, uh, it did really well in like a, the Latin market, um, which is good. <laughs> they spent yeah. two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on marketing it in Latin America. Not a lot of money. Uh, not a lot of money. Uh, but it, it did pretty all right there. Let's see. By January 21st, following 19 days into its theatrical release, the Spanish dubbed prints were pulled 
because they wanted to watch the English language version instead. Sits <laughs> <laughs> so, um, at 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, uh, I think I remember reading something like it, it where it made its money was DVDs. And yes, absolutely. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four. Uh, a goofy slapstick cartoon with a, with the attention span of Donald Duck that is separate from what's known as animated features. So Eisner, or Eisner Ebert would later add that it doesn't have the technical polish of a film like Tarzan, <laughs> but is a reminder that the classic cartoon look is a beloved style of its own. Because remember, this came out after uh, uh, Dinosaur. Yep. So I've kind of, uh, I've kind of, like, I, I kind of want a gif of, uh, you know how like uh, they take a gif of Thor from Ragnarok, like is it yeah. though? I want that gif <laughs> of Sting. Yeah. After hearing Empress to Groove, like, <laughs> yeah, blinking white guy. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I want, I want Sting's like, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, here you go. Uh, IGN has ranked Emperor's New Groove as the 16th best animated film. Boy, uh, and, and, I'll, all, and IGN's list for things are always really like, <laughs> the best. This movie actually did have a film festival debut. It actually was at the 2002, or the uh, Sweatbox, I should say. Oh, okay. It's actually at the Toronto International Film Festival. <laughs> uh, so, that's interesting. So it's like it, people saw it, but it was like, what was yeah. the thing at the end of the movie where it's supposed to like they're supposed to add a scene of Sting at a concert? Yeah, because I think that was just the, the I think the point of that was yeah, it was going to be during the credits where it's going to have Sting performing music. I yeah. think is what that was like. This is placeholder text for where the credits would be, and yeah. there would be Sting music playing. But um, so yeah, let's see. I like that Emperor's New Groove franchise has its own independent uh, Wikipedia thing because boy, is there a ton of stuff. Surprisingly, all things considered. Yeah. So you had the Emperor's New Groove in 2000. Was there a sequel? Yes, Kronk's New Groove. Kronk's New Groove came out in 2005, direct to video. Um, so a follow up featuring obviously Kronk. <laughs> I think everyone, like, came back for that they could like Patrick Warburton Tracy Ullman is in it Eartha Kitt's back David Spade's back John Goodman's back Wendy Malick is back <laughs> I mean you didn't have it, it the thing is you didn't have any huge huge stars in it so yeah. yeah and it's, I do like that they got Eartha Kitt back like yeah, yeah that's the most interesting and by 2005 what was David Spade and Eartha Kitt doing like John Goodman was the biggest star in that by this point he had yes. done. Uh, yeah. He just done. Well, oh, brother! Probably. Oh, brother came out like two weeks later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> of like two weeks after Emperor's New Groove, like yeah. Crocs New Groove. <laughs> so um, there, I do like if you go there. Let's see. So films: Emperor's New Groove, Crocs New Groove, documentary film: The Sweatbox, unproduced film: Kingdom of the Sun. <laughs> It says the, the short description of Kingdom of the Sun was the original draft of the film that went through massive changes in the universe. It is considered a different film despite being vaguely cosmetically reminiscent of the finished one. Yeah. It was described as an epic film on par with The Lion King as opposed to the buddy comedy it became. 
it's like, well, it's not like, yes, it's been described as, they make it sound vague, like it may have been this, but like, we clearly know that's what it was. That was the, even say so much in the movie that it was designed to be like an epic movie like The Lion King. Like, they tried to compare the original movie to The Lion King that's on a of different occasions. There's a there's a thing in, in the sweat box that you have not mentioned, and which is odd because I thought it would be the part that appealed to you the most. Oh, yeah? Well, no, it's like where they're like, hey, we're going to go into the archives. Oh, yeah. And, and pull out the, the backgrounds for these movies. I'm like, yeah. holy crap. People forget that the Disney vault is both a concept and a very, very real thing. Yeah. Like, we've talked about it before. Uh, where like every letter that Walt ever sent or received is saved. We know so much about the production of anything like pre like that you know, things that you would lose over time and correspondences yeah. and stuff. We know all of these things because they kept everything. Walt was meticulous about keeping all that stuff and they still have it. Like, Absolutely. you know, there were, you know, they don't have individual animation cells of complete films because like with early animation, they would sell those or auction them off or, you know, artists would take them or whatever. So, but for the most part, they have a lot of complete movies. It like looks like a sleeping beauty, like, yeah. backdrop they were using. But like, can you, I, I know you especially, like, like, hey, you get, you get a week in this room. Oh, I would, yeah, I don't know what I, I would go back to the, to the thirties and just be lost there forever. Yeah. <laughs> They would they would they would just find my desiccated corpse just yes. back there, just, and I haven't even gotten to like 1935 yet. So, <laughs> but that was kind of the cool part. Like, oh man, I kind of wanted like more like of that. Like, I need, we need to figure out an excuse to make something big and get mm-hmm. it like a loan to produce a book or a documentary of some sort, and try to convince Disney to let us like look at the stuff in the uh, archives. archives. Yeah. It's like, because because you don't know what's. It's not just like they're animated films. It's everything, right? It's everything. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 there's animated stuff, all the live action stuff, letters, receipts, checks, and like um, you know memos, faxes. There's there's like hours upon hours upon hours of footage. They filmed every minute of Disneyland being built. Yeah. There's hours of it. That would just be like, hell yeah, let's go. There's probably scenes they've cut out of things that they never, like, yeah, it's like, why did he spend his whole week just in the Mighty Ducks section of the vault? There there was a TV series. Uh, Was it Disney Afternoon? Probably. Or like uh, the or like the Disney Channel version of Disney Afternoon. Disney Channel, yeah. Emperor's New School. Aired from 2006 to 2008. Uh, video games. Uh, probably Game Boy Color. There was The Emperor's New Groove was released, developed by Argonaut Games for the PlayStation, Windows, and by Sandbox Studios for the Game Boy Color. Of course. Uh, Argonaut Games. Uh, yeah. You know what they're most known for? I don't. You don't know what Argonaut Games is most known for? They are the developers of Star Fox, the original Star Fox. The original Star Fox? Okay. Yeah. No, I never yeah. paid attention to that. Okay. Yeah. And Stunt Race FX, which is oh, okay. released on so basically those mode seven. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they just inevitably then they just inevitably became three D. They made uh Croc two. <laughs> Not the first and Croc, the original. 
But Croc yeah. 2 is the most important one. No. You, know, the, you know the Croc franchise. Yeah, the Croc franchise. Buck Bumble. Uh, well, I feel like this. I if, feel like uh, when this goes into podcast form, uh, gets, I, like, this is where I'm you insert the Buck Bumble Buck theme. Bumble theme. Uh, the ten-hour version that's probably on YouTube. I assume. Right here. Here. Yeah. Might actually have to do that. <laughs> uh, let's see. The Emperor's New Groove. They did some Harry Potter games, Bionicle games. Uh, <laughs> they did the Catwoman game. <laughs> uh, their last, their last game that they have listed is they also made Star Fox Two, which appears on the SNES Mini. Yeah. So, uh, 2017 release of that. So, really, their last released game was 2004. But because Star Fox Two came out so much later. Gets the credit as she counts as a well. I mean, like the version that had been floating around for years was like a, a, a unfinished ROM. Yeah, and so I mean, it's uh, and let's see who made the game? who made the Game Boy Color game. What games did they make? Oh boy, <laughs> Sandbox. Yeah, uh, they made the dinosaur game for the Dreamcast. Great uh, for the Game Boy Color. They made the Emperor's New Groove. Uh, Hoyle card games <laughs> and ESPN National Hockey Night for the Game Boy Cup. I would have played one of those games. Hoyle card games? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, for the PC, they made a Whammo Frisbee Golf and a Matchbox game. For the PlayStation, they made a game called Blast Lacrosse, which is a very good name for a lacrosse game. And dinosaur, and for the Xbox, they made a Shrek game. Huh. So, I uh, there, one day if I ever become like super wealthy, I'm just going to make it a mission of getting as many weird licensed Game Boy Color games as they can. DS oh, games. apparently they made another uh, Game Boy Color, not Game Boy Color game. A, I don't know what the what is the Emperor's New Groove. Groove Center. Oh, it's a PC game. Okay, it's like uh, the Activity Center nonsense that they did. I kind of I, I miss I, I, I was like Elite Beat Agents or something. Maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely disappointed. Anything else of note with this? There's no theme park anything for this movie. Was it in Kingdom Hearts in any, any way? No, it's no, not in Kingdom Hearts. No, everything's in Kingdom Hearts except for this. Except for this monstrosity. Uh, that's no, super weird. Yeah. yeah, it's not Blu-ray, is it? Or it is, but it's not. It's not like they. It's not like it got a special anything. Um, let's see, home video releases. Where is it? I know it's in here somewhere. Well, I thought it was in here somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, here it is. Uh, home media standard VHS and DVD in two thousand and one. A two-disc collector's edition that includes bonus features such as Sting's music video of My Funny Friend and Me mm. and a Rascal Flatts music video of Walk the Llama Llama from the soundtrack. Wow. I Well, I know I'm looking up on YouTube oh, we go boy. here. Rascal Flatts doing the llama song. For... It's like, hey, you think the llama song was bad enough of Sting singing it. 
Uh, in September, in September 2001, <laughs> it was reported that 6 million VHS units were sold, amounting towards $89 million in revenue. On DVD, it was reported to have sold twice as much. Overall revenue was $125 million, according to the research. Uh, Emperor's New Groove was released on Blu-ray in 2013, bundled in a two-movie collection with Kronk's New Groove. It sold 14,000 Blu-ray units its first weekend. So, so, well, here's the thing, though. When they bundle it with another movie, it tells you what they think of it. It what? Is it when when they bundle it with another movie, it tells you what they think of it. It's like yeah. the rescuers, rescuers that under. Like when they do that yeah. bundle, it's like mm. Fantasia two thousand comes yeah. with Fantasia. Yeah. Or you can just get Fantasia by itself. Or if you want Fantasia two thousand, you gotta get the combo pack. Yeah. So that tells you their and it's funny because this movie made money. They did a lot with it afterwards, and it's not bad. No. So, I don't. Yeah, it's weird that they have such a low opinion of it, and I, I, I would assume that just it, the bad history of the movie is sort of more has to do with it than the actual run of the movie. Like so. they're embarrassed of, of it. Yeah. So, opening weekend premiered fourth, Jeez. grossing ten million dollars behind What Women Want, Dude, Where's My Car. And how the Grinch stole Christmas. Wow. So I guess finishing behind Dude Where's My Car will take the wind out of your sails. Yeah, a little bit. Um so yeah, that's a shame. But I still like it. Yeah, that's fine. It turned out fine. You, you ready to rank it? Let's rank it. All right, Nick. Let's let's start uh, let's start about well, I don't know if you have a numbered anymore. Do you have a numbered? No, I keep thinking about doing it every week, but yeah. I never do. All right. Uh, we'll just start at the top, then I'll go down. I'll work my way down, then. All right. Lion King. Nope. Robin Hood. Nope. Beauty and the Beast. No. Aladdin. No. Jungle Book. No. Sword in the Stone. No. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. No. Hercules. No. Little Mermaid. No. Fantasia. No. Great Mouse Detective? No. Mulan? No. Black Cauldron? No. Cinderella? No. Dumbo? No. Ichabod Mr. Toad? No. The Rescuers? Or no, sorry, Hunchback of Notre Dame. I think I like it more than Hunchback. You like it more than Hunchback of Notre Dame? And this movie was called... Empire. Empire strikes. Yep. Back. Empire carpet today. <laughs> uh, where's that put it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen on your list. You're right there with IGN. Yeah. All right. It's like we're saying is I'm. I can write for IGN. Yeah. Exactly. Here's some deals on Dell laptops. Too much water. Seven out of nine. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh, oh my god! Were, were they in too much water publication? 
Yes, they're the ones that said. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my god! Wow! Uh, I'm just going to start in the middle of my list because, well, not middle, but let's see. I'll start at Cinderella. I no Little Mermaid. No Sword in the Stone. No Robin Hood. No Great Mouse Detective. No Black Cauldron. No Mulan. No. Peter Pan, no. 101 Dalmatians, no. Hunchback, yes. I think mine's further down than yours. Yeah. Let's see what I put it at. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Not that much further down. Just, just one more down. Yeah. So we're pretty right in the middle, here. really. I mean, we're at 40. We just about put it, you know, middle-ish. Yeah. It's That's not a fair. bad movie. If, if you're out of the, this is the 40th movie, we put it above the 20 spot. So it's above above average by this scale right yeah. now. I have a feeling it's going to be a, like, we're going to have a few small shining spots during the otherwise rough period coming up. Yeah, I think there's only, like, there's probably for a while, there's probably one that we'll both agree on is really good. Yeah. And the rest will either be first-time viewings in some cases. Yep. Or first-times in years in some cases. And most of them are Drek experiences. <laughs> experiences. Oh, you're like the guy. Uh, I was telling you about the guy. I always watched that Star Wars special. Yeah. Uh, like, I guess experiences. Stop saying experiences, sir. So that's that. That's exciting. We ranked them. We're good. Uh, next episode. I actually forget what number 41 is. <laughs> well, let's let's take a look. Let's vamp for a minute here. Let's vamp. How you doing? Oh, you know, vamping. Vamping? Just vamping away? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, it's like Dracula. Yeah. I take him coffin drops. <laughs> uh, okay. So number 41 is Atlantis, the Lost Empire. That's what I thought, but I wasn't going to speak out of turn and just look like a real, real jerk. Uh <laughs> It, uh, I've seen that movie. Yeah. On I've purpose. seen that movie too. On purpose. I'm sure we'll have some things to say about that movie. Boy, hey, it's got Michael J. Fox in it. it certainly does. He was in it. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. We just want to get through next week because then you, then, then after that, you get like an actual good movie. Yeah. So, but after that, back to a long, painful road of mediocrity or yeah. worse. So it's gonna be a it's gonna be a chore. We're gonna we're gonna slog our way through it. Until and, then, we, and then once you hit that golden uh uh break at the decade, yeah. uh, it's all it's game on. We just gotta we just gotta we gotta Andy Dufresne our way to Princess and the Frog. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. <laughs> but until then Again, next next episode will be Atlantis, The Lost Empire. 2001, jumping into a new year, finally. <laughs> yep. But until then, thank you all once again for joining us.
and have a magical day.